Hey, welcome to Woods Edge. My name is Kalen, and I'm going to be teaching here this morning. Uh, we're taking a quick break from the Gospel According to 21 Pilots series. Um, hey, has that not been amazing? It's been so good. If you didn't get a chance to listen to last week's sermon, go online and find it and check it out. It is powerful, powerful stuff. Just talking about all that Jesus has done for us and continues to do for us. Uh, if you haven't heard that, that sermon, go online, check it out, the video's there. Uh, so we're taking a break this week by talking about serving. So today is Serving Sunday, where we're going to talk about uh, why we serve, the, the purpose behind it, uh, the motivation behind it. You know, I have a really hard time serving other people unless I understand why. Like, if I don't understand the why behind it, I can do it for, for maybe like a few minutes before I just check out, like I'm gone. I have to know the why behind it. You know, the world will tell us that you should be doing everything in your power to get everyone around you to serve you, right? Like, that's what social media is telling us. That's what the, the entertainment movies and, and video games and, and everything is telling us that you'll be happy if you can get everyone around you to serve you. Like, if you could just get a, a dozen butlers to fill your, your mansion and, and to be on your yacht, like, if you could just have that, then you'd finally be happy, right? Like, get, get the gold Bugatti or whatever that thing is, like, and have the, the butlers come to you at 3 a.m. with some toast, like, here, my master, here's your toast. That's what the world is telling us will make us happy, right? Like, if people around me will just serve my needs and just give me what I want, then I'll be happy, right? The, but that doesn't make us happy. We, we look at all the people that, that have that kind of stuff, and, and that in and of itself is not making them happy. Well, we want to look at what does give us joy, what does make us happy. If that doesn't give that to us, then what, what does the Bible have to say about serving it? If if serving is not about all about getting other people to serve us, but it's about serving others, what, where's that backed up in the Bible? Well, Acts 20, it says, it's more blessed to give than to receive. Matthew 23, the greatest among you will be your servant. Proverbs 11, a generous person will prosper, and whoever refreshes others will themselves be refreshed. And so why do we serve? Well, foundationally, we serve because God says so, right? Like, at the very foundation, at the core of it all, we serve because the Bible commands it. Galatians 5.13 says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but don't use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly and love. So, why do we serve? Well, the Bible says so. All right, sermon done. Let's wrap this up and get out of here. That's all we need, right? No, that's not all we need. I, I am the type of person that, that if I don't understand why behind what I'm being asked to do, it makes it really hard to do it. And so we're going to look at a little bit more of the, the why here today. Why are we called to serve? Why are we, we called to selflessly give to others? And so we're going to go through kind of a long passage today. And so it's not going to be on the screen, but if you have your Bibles... Uh, pull up John 13, we'll be in verses 1 through 17. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, just maybe close your eyes as I'm reading the, the verses, just to kind of put yourself in this scene, uh, and we're going to talk through it together. So John 13, 1 through 17, says, It was just before the Passover festival, and Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. 
And having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. So the, the scene here is this is Jesus' final night before his crucifixion. And he knows it. He knows what is on the other side of, of his, his night here. He knows that, that he's about to be handed over to the, the, the Pharisees and to the Romans so that he can be crucified. And what is Jesus doing? Well, we're about to see, but, but if you knew you had 24 hours left to live, what would you be doing? What would you be doing? Like, I think maybe I'd go skydiving, right? Like, maybe I'm going to do, do something super fun, go skydiving, like, while riding a, a bull out of the plane. I don't know. I, I'd do something fun, right? Well, not, not Jesus. Jesus knows that, that his time is limited, and so he wants to make the best use of this, this final day. And he knows that, that this final day is going to um, kind of make or break his disciples here. And so he is very intentional about what he is doing with his disciples. It says, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. He had shown over, over three years with his disciples what love meant. He, he loved them so well, but I love this line. It says, he loved them to the end. He didn't check out. He didn't, he didn't say, okay, I, I've done a good enough job. Deuces, guys, I'm gone. No, he, he stuck with his, his guys because he wanted to love them to the end. Jesus never leaves us. Up until the very end of it all, he is with you. He is for you. He is, he is working everything together for your good. And he showed them what loving them to the end meant. We're about to see what that is. Verse 2 continues, The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. And Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power that he had come from God, and that he was returning to God. And so he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. So the first thing that we see here about Jesus is that Jesus knows his identity in his Father. He knows who God has made him, or who, who he is in God. He, God didn't make him, but because he is God, he is the infinite one. He knows who he is in his Father. And out of that, he's then able to serve. It says, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. So he knew what God had done for him. He knew what the Father had given to him. And that he had come from God. He knew all that God had done for him in the past and who he was in God. And that he was returning to God. He knew what his future was with his Father. And so he got up from the meal. And took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. Out of Jesus knowing his identity in his father, he is then able to serve his disciples. So what we see here is that if we don't know our identity in Christ, if we don't know our identity in God, then, then we will have a really hard time serving others. And so what, what do we need to know about our identity? We need to know where we've come from. So what, what all has Christ done for us? What has God done in our lives? We need to know uh, where we're going, that, that one day we will see Jesus face to face in heaven forever. If we know him, if we are in Christ, then we will get to see him face to face and enjoy him forever. 
if we don't know our identity in Christ, then it's going to be really hard for us to, to selflessly serve others. Verse 5 continues, After that he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. And he came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, You don't realize now what I'm doing, but later you'll understand. Peter said, no, you shall never wash my feet. Like, Peter, what, what are you thinking here? Do you, do you not realize that, that this is the, the Son of God, that, that this is God in flesh that you're talking to, that you're saying, no, you'll, you're not going to do this thing that you just said you wanted to do? Like, that's some brazen stuff from Peter. And I think to understand Peter's reaction, we have to understand the, the, the culture and the context of, of what is happening in this scene. And so in, in Jewish culture, in, in the Roman times, they, they all wore sandals, right? So they, they had these, these open-toed shoes where they would walk miles and miles in the dirt and the mud and the grime and in the donkey and camel poop, and, and they would just stomp all in it. And so they would get to their destination, and their feet would just be dirty, nasty, caked on. Like, like imagine, isn't that... That's, beautiful right no it's gross those feet are green those feet are green from walking like our, our feet just take in all of the contaminants of, of what we're walking in right if if you don't want to just throw up a little in your mouth if, if you do that's fine just go out of the room because then you'll make me throw up and then we'll all be throwing up and it'll be gross the jewish culture they all wore sandals and they were walking through this, this nasty muck and grime. You can leave the feet up for a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're welcome. You're welcome. Anytime. I'm just here to serve you guys. They were walking through, through the nasty, uh, nastiest of situations. Um, and they would get to their destination. So they, they'd go to their, their friend's house or whatever. And they would all sit down to eat together. But first, I mean, can you imagine eating a meal with that on your feet? Like, no. That's gross. You can't, you can't enjoy the, the friendship, the conversation around you. You can't enjoy the, the food that you're about to eat if your feet are covered in poop, right? Like, it, it just it doesn't work that way. And so what they would do is the household would have servants, and the, the very lowest of the servants would go around to each of the guests, take off its outer garment, kneel down, and by hand wash the guests' feet of all of the, the muck and the grime. And it was the grossest thing you can think. Like, imagine, okay, so how many of you guys have, like, ran around for a day in your tennis shoes, and you get home at the end of the day, and you take off your socks, and there's, like, green smoke just billowing out of your socks because they smell so bad like you guys just just close your eyes and imagine the stench just drink it in just drink it in think about how stinky your feet are right like when you when you sweat in them all day it smells so bad now the the, the lowest servant was stuck with this job because it was a gross job like you're having to be in these people's Feet, like their feet are right in your face, so all the, the smell and, and all the, the mud, and you're having to get it off with your hands. Like, I hope you can appreciate how gross this actually is. 
Like, they didn't have closed-toed shoes. All of the muck and grime of that day's journey was on their feet. And so imagine Peter's reaction is so intense because he's like, no, Jesus, you're the king. You're, you're, you're on top of everyone. You're above everything. Every, all power and all authority is in your hand, and, and yet, what, what are you doing? I mean, imagine for a second, like, like the queen of England. Like, you guys know the queen? Like, give me a picture of the queen. Oh, she's so sweet. So sweet, the queen. The queen of England is like, like one of the most powerful women in the world, right? Like, she has a billion servants that are at her beck and call. I want to tell you something about the queen. You cannot, in the presence of the queen, say the word toilet. Did you know that? Like, if you're, if you're with the queen at a, a dinner party and you say, excuse me, queen, I have to use the toilet, like, Secret Service will spear you and, like, tase you while you're on the ground just because you say toilet. That's what happens when you say toilet around the queen. What else can you not do? You can't touch her. Like, if, if you want to go up and, like, what's up, queen? High five. Boom. Tackled. Tased. You're dead. What else can you not do? You can't, if you're, if you're having a, a nice little tea party with the queen... You can't slurp your tea. So if you're, you're, you have a really good cup of tea and you're, you're really enjoying it and you just, you just happen to go, boom, you're tackled, you're tased, you're dead, I'm sorry. You can't do those things in front of the queen. Why? Well, because her, her place of, of honor is so high. Like you have to respect her, her position, her authority, who she is. So imagine one day you're, you're at home you get a knock on the door. You open the door, and boom, it's the Queen of England at your front door. And she says, can I come scrub your toilet? What? You better say yes, because she's the queen. Like, you, you, you can't say no. So she comes in, she's, she's on her hands and knees, like with a paper towel, scrubbing the toilet. Can you imagine, like, that doesn't, that would never happen like oh just scrubbing the loo mate like what no queen get out of here like you have servants for this you have you you have people that you pay thousands and thousands of dollars or pounds or euros or whatever british things do you have people that that you can pay to do this why are you on your hands and knees getting urine on your hands like what what are you doing miss queen or madam queen or whatever you call her lady queen that is what Peter is thinking whenever Jesus, the, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, he knows that Jesus is God incarnate, God with flesh. And so when, when Jesus comes to him and says that I want to wash your feet, Peter's reaction is like, why aren't the other disciples saying this? Like, Whoa, Jesus, no, you're, you're the king. We should be washing your feet. What are you doing? The lowest servant of the house would be in charge of washing the feet. You know, whenever I was young, I was the youngest in my household. Right? So I was the baby. What does that mean for chore day? It means chore day, I got the junk chores. So I was the toilet man. Like, my job was scrubbing the toilet. So I would have to get, get the paper towel, and, and like, I was urine stain man. Like, that, was, that was my role. 
because I was the youngest. I was the lowest in my household. That's what happens with the, the lowest people in Bible times, too. The lowest, most humble person in the house is in charge of the grossest jobs. And so the creator, the king of kings, the lord of lords, takes on the role of the lowest of servants. Like there's no, there's no honor, there's no respect in this role. And so Peter's like, whoa, Jesus, what are you doing? No, no, you're not going to wash my feet. I don't want to demean you like that. And Jesus' response is so interesting. Jesus says, hey, Peter, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. What does that even mean? I think that there's probably a thousand different meanings, but the, the main two that I think we see is, at first, there's a, a spiritual meaning to it. So Jesus is all about parables, right? Telling, telling biblical truths through uh, things that you can see, you can touch. And so Jesus is giving a parable of salvation here, and he's saying, look, Peter, if you don't let me wash you, if you don't let me wash away your sin, if you won't humble yourself enough to say, Jesus, I need you to wash me clean, then, then you have no part with me. If we will not humble ourselves and say, Jesus, I need you to wash me of my sin, cleanse me of my guilt, then we have no part with Jesus. So there's a spiritual meaning there. I think there's also just a practical meaning of, of serving. Like Jesus is saying, look, Peter, if... Peter, you don't understand that you're going to be the rock on which I build the church. Like, you're going to be the head of this church on earth. And if you won't let the, the greatest person in your life serve you, then you're going to think once you're the head, once you're the, the greatest, that you don't need to serve the people below you. And that it's exactly the opposite. The, the more of a leader you are, the more you should be serving those beneath you. So there's two different meanings there, but the question we have to ask ourselves today is, how do you need Jesus to wash you? Because we're all a bunch of Peters. We all, we all have, have this pride that says, no, we, I, don't, I don't need any help. I don't need anything from you, God. I got it together. I'm okay. But we don't. So how do you need Jesus to wash you? Maybe it is spiritual. Like, you need Jesus to come and, and cleanse you of, of your sin. Maybe you've never received his salvation. Maybe you need to receive a cleansing of your, your guilt and your sin so that you can enjoy him and you can know him forever. Maybe, maybe it is uh, something more practical. You need to let Jesus serve you. Maybe by, by giving you the ability to, to overcome some sin in your life or, or, or giving you the ability to, to have a... a restored relationship with somebody what's that way that you need jesus to to wash you today whatever it is keep it in the forefront of your mind so peter the disciple most famous for putting his foot in his mouth continues to do that he, he completely overcompensates so he's like no jesus you'll never wash me and jesus is like you are so wrong and jesus 
And Peter says, uh, you're right. Uh, okay, then Lord, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Peter's like, just, I don't know, give, give me a bath. Just dunk me in the river. I don't know what you need to do, but I just I, that was wrong. This is, yeah, bath time. Let's do this. Give me a rubber ducky. I don't care. Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean. And you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him. And that was why he said not everyone was clean. So Peter, just like Peter does, and this this is just a a Peter thing to do, he overcompensates overcompensates and says, okay, just give me a bath. Let's just do this. If we're going to do it a little bit, let's go all the way. Just give me a bath, Jesus. And Jesus responds to him and says, Peter, again, brother, you're missing the entire point here. You're missing everything that I'm trying to say to you. He's he's showing Peter two things. He's showing the disciples and us two things. Jesus said, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean. So what he's saying, there's a spiritual reality that that Jesus is communicating here. that, That if you have had a bath, if you have received salvation, if your whole being has been made clean and right by receiving the gift of salvation that Jesus has offered you, then you no longer need to continually try and earn and and work for that salvation. Once you are saved, if you are indeed saved, you are always saved. You are forever his. You don't have to keep worrying about, oh, I I, I sinned. Man, Jesus, I I need to be saved again. Like, I, I need complete salvation in a big picture sense but what jesus is saying is we need little daily salvation we need little daily cleansing he says those who've had a bath need only to wash their feet what's what's the spiritual reality that jesus is saying here he's saying look if you've received salvation there's nothing that can separate you from my love but there are little daily sins that you need to ask forgiveness for we need to make this relationship right every day you need to wash your feet it's just like me and my wife we have made a covenant that we will never separate right we we covenanted before god before our our friends and our family that we were doing this marriage thing until death do us part so whenever we have a fight most of the time because i've become a jerk Whenever I become a jerk and say something mean to her or, or, or get, a, get an attitude with her, it's not like all of a sudden because I am, I am mean or I sin against her that she's like, all right, that's it, I'm done, I'm out of here. Because we have committed together that we're, we're going to be in this for the long haul. But I do need to go to my wife and say, hey, look, I, I said this thing, I'm really sorry, please forgive me, I was a jerk. There is a rift in our relationship until I come back and I I do some repentance. And in the same way, there is a rift in our relationship with Jesus whenever we allow sin in our life to just kind of sit there. So we're not not talking about losing our salvation because because we, we messed up today. But we do want to have a right relationship with Jesus 
in the more uh, day-to-day sense. And so we need to come to him every day and say, Jesus, would you wash my feet? Would you forgive me? So Jesus is communicating the spiritual reality there. But again, he's, he's communicating the practical reality that this is, this is not, Peter says, look, uh, not my feet, just my feet, but uh, give me a bath. Just do it all. And Jesus is like, Peter, man, I'm not giving a hygiene lesson here. This is a, a lesson on serving. And Peter's just like, squirrel. Peter doesn't get it. But Jesus is saying, look, this is a lesson in serving. I am the greatest being in the entire universe. And am I lording it over you guys? Am I making you do all these things so that I can feel puffed up about myself? No, Jesus is saying, look, this is a lesson in serving. I am the greatest among you, yet I have become the lowliest of servants. He became the lowest of servants because that is the true essence of leadership. If we want to lead people, leading people is not, you do this, you do this, you do this, you don't do this, make you feel bad for your mistake. Maybe if you're Bill Belichick and you run the Patriots. But if you want true leadership, true leadership is coming low and serving those around you. So Jesus is saying, look, the same thing he said in Matthew 23, the greatest among you will be your servant. So how, how many of you guys want to grow in your leadership? I want to grow in my leadership. If you want to grow in your leadership, man, work on serving others more and more. With more and more passion, with more and more heart, with more and more fervor. The more that you serve people selflessly, the more leadership, the more influence you have. So Jesus is communicating spiritual realities here. He's communicating practical ones. And then he finishes in verse 12. It says, when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. He said, do you understand what I've done for you? Look, you call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. But now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I say to you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. And now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Jesus, the the beginner of our faith, the finisher of our faith, the alpha, the omega, the infinite God of all the universe, Jesus is saying, look, I've set the example for you for what it means to lead and love others. And it's to take the lowest position that you can to serve others, to lift them up. What is the thing that that no one else is willing to do? Do that. What is the thing that that everyone looks at and says, oh, that's too hard, that's too much work, or or, that would hurt my dignity, that would hurt my pride. Jesus is saying, look, do that. If you want influence over these people, then, then do that. If you want to love them as I have loved you, then do that. 
Jesus is telling us how to lead people well. He's saying, look, this is the bar. Jesus set the bar for us and what it means to truly serve others. But we can do likewise. I love how he ends this, this passage. He says, now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. You will be blessed if you do them. Now, I think that the word blessed can have a lot of confusion around it. Like we think if we're, if we're blessed, then it means that we have health, wealth, and prosperity. Like that, that's what, that's what the, the prosperity gospel is preaching to us, and it's, it's not true. But being blessed, what, what does the word here, blessed, actually mean? Well, let's get a little academic for a moment. In the Greek, the word for blessed is makarios, and it means simply to be happy. Blessed is happy. So Jesus is telling us the key to happiness here. It says, now that you know these things, you will be happy if you do them. How many of you guys want to be happy? I do. Every single one of us in this room wants to be happy. Everything that we do, whether good or bad, is out of a desire to be happy. And Jesus, the one who set it all up, the one who who designed the universe to work how it does, he's saying, look, I know the key to happiness. The key to happiness is serving others. Jesus, all throughout the Gospels, talks about how the key to happiness is knowing and enjoying him, being with him, and then out of, out of knowing him, out of enjoying him, then being able to serve and love others. If you want to be happy, then start serving. Start doing the hard things and going out of your way, doing what, what maybe doesn't feel good in the moment to love others, to, to serve others. And I guarantee you, money back guarantee that if you will begin serving others, that you will experience greater happiness You'll experience greater leadership than you ever have seen before. Bailey, you guys can make your way up. Jackson Brown Jr. said this. This is just a a secular guy, but he knows the truth just the same. He says, remember that the happiest people are not those getting more, but those giving more. Guys, the happiest people that you know are not the ones that are misers that are Okay, everyone serve me, everyone do what, what I need. The happiest people in the world, in, in the history of the planet, are the ones that have been great givers of themselves, of their resources, of their time, of their talents. You guys have a wealth of talent and resources in this room. Are you stewarding those things well to serve others? If not, then you are missing out on an avenue, a portal of happiness and leadership that you have never experienced before. If you will pursue those things, then then I guarantee you, money back guarantee, you will experience a deep, deep happiness. How do I know that? Well, because God set it up. He knows the truth of everything. He knows exactly how it all works. And that's what he said. You know, this summer, a lot of us got to experience 
uh, the, the happiness, the joy of serving people in our community. So my first picture. Look at that. Look how happy they are. They're just pulling weeds, planting plants. Do they look bored? No. No, they're enjoying. Yeah, whoever said no, you're a liar. They are enjoying their time, not because they're, they're doing something that makes them feel puffed up, but because they are giving to others who could never repay them. So in the next picture. Look, there we are, chipping a fence. You, was that fun? You guys, you guys were there. Was that not super, super fun? Like we were all just singing, having a good time. This was not like, like singing sorrowful songs because we have to be out there working. But we were getting to serve people that, that could never repay us. And the happiness that we got to experience because of that was incredible. Next picture. But she looks sad. Isn't that the cutest thing? Yeah, you guys can awe. Do they look sad? No. Christina is experiencing joy and happiness because she is getting to love on this little girl that can never repay her. Those are outside the walls opportunities. Look, this is people just loving on, on people as they come through the doors. Loving on dragonflies as they come through the doors. We have opportunities within the walls, within the, the student ministry to serve, to experience happiness and leadership. Next picture. This is our worship team. We, we, have, we have tech team opportunities. But these guys get here, I don't know if you guys know this, they get here at like 7 a.m. every Sunday so that they can lead us in worship, so that they can lead us in what it means to love the Lord with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. These guys are, are amazing. All of the people on our worship and tech team and our, our welcome team and our setup team, they, they give of themselves with no praise from other people. Like those guys are just in the back, in, in the tech booth, just serving people, serving you guys in this service with no expectation of, like, okay, everyone's going to give them a high five on the way out. No, they, they just get the joy of serving, and they do it so humbly and well. Yeah, yeah, give them a high five. But you guys have, have so many talents and gifts, not only that you can use in the church, which I highly encourage you to do, but guys, for me, the hardest place for me to serve is at home. Pretty sure that's the same for most of us. How is God calling you to serve at home? How is God calling you to serve at church? How is God calling you to serve at your school or at your work if you have a job? Why don't you take out the brown cards and the pens under your seats? Guys, we serve because of all that Jesus has done for us. He took on flesh so that we could, could enjoy him forever and not have to experience the pain of our sin, the wrath that, that we deserved. He took that upon himself so that we could know him and enjoy him forever. 
We serve because it, it gives us an opportunity to grow in our leadership. You want to grow in leadership, then you need to be serving others around you. We serve because it, it is a, a gateway to happiness. Serving others selflessly gives us such deep joy and happiness. How is God calling you to serve here today? Maybe it's at home, maybe it's here at church, maybe it's at school. Whatever it is, write it down. And I just want you to write a prayer to the Lord. Maybe committing to obey him in this, whatever he's asking you to do. Maybe just begging him for help to be able to actually do it. Maybe it's a combination. Just write out your prayer to the Lord. writing. We're going to continue to respond here together. We're going to tithes, communion. We're going to worship together. I just encourage you guys, don't let this moment pass you by. The most important part of, of our mornings together is, is our response to God. What are we going to do to walk out what he is convicting us of? And so if you need to just sit and, and do some business with the Lord, maybe confess some some sin to him, ask him to wash you. If you need to just kneel down at your at your, your seat, saying, God, I want to give you everything. I submit my life to you. Whatever you need to do, feel free to do it. We're going to respond together. Would you guys pray with me? Jesus, thank you for your, your great love for us. Thank you that you have served us so perfectly. You have set the example for each and every one of us. Thank you, Jesus, that you are God over all creation, and yet you humbled yourself. You, you became a, a little baby and a man. You lived a perfect life, and you allowed yourself to be broken for our place so that, that we didn't have to pay the penalty for our sin. Lord, and you showed us what it meant to serve you and to serve others. So God, would you give us the grace now to walk that out? Lord, convict us however you need to. We give it ourselves to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.